Welcome to the Irish NFL show. This is our week 13 preview and game picks show. And after the bumper 16 game slate, we gorge through across Thanksgiving. We've six teams back on by this weekend. So the Ravens, the Bills, the Bears, the Raiders, the Vikings and the Giants are all idle this weekend. But we've 13 games remaining to get through, which is plenty of action, obviously. And our first section of previews and picks from the rest of the weekend's NFL action is brought to you by RootPoint.com demonstrating the value of global PR and comms. And you can see how RuePoint can help your business at RuePoint.com. But we start with the early slate of games, which features Colts at Titans and Colum. And we, we, we've seen some highs of, of Will Levis since he took over the, the starting role at the Titans. And we've seen uh, the Colts masterfully kind of manage through the absence of their own presumptive franchise quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Um, Titans are coming off a win, though, and one that actually cost Frank Reich his job ultimately in Carolina. So can they put it up to the Titans here, or can they put it up to the Colts here? Uh, well, they, they can if the reports of the Jonathan Taylor injury prove correct. Uh, he appears to have a thumb injury, and it's unknown at this point if he is going to miss time. That, I think, is, is a key factor. I, I think the Colts have been really impressive given... Um, we know that there are deficiencies in the roster. It is a first-time head coach. They're playing without their starting QB. Uh, they moved on from uh, Shaq Leonard. Um, so they made some like really tough decisions. They're also dealing with um, Jim Irsay and everything that surrounds Jim Irsay. I thought what, what was interesting, I mentioned this to Brian earlier, um, was there was a Cole Speed writer on with Zach Kiefer uh, this week, and he talked about, you know, Irsay's comments and having to make a decision about whether to write about it or not. And he ultimately said he would, but he knows that will likely cost him in terms of access. Uh, and I think that is fascinating as we talk about, you know, um, increasingly wealthy owners in the league and the way in which, um, you know, they cover the, the team. Um, and as much criticism as I give to Jerry Jones at times, one thing that is frequently said about Jerry um, is he will go out there to put his message out, but he doesn't shy away and he doesn't penalize um, reporters uh, from uh, or for putting stories, as long as they're uh, accurate out there uh, about the, the Cowboys. Um, a little bit of a tangent on that. I I think, yeah, John Taylor is the, the the key piece uh, for me. Um, I mean, look, the Titans are, are playing for Mike Vrabel, um, but I think that is uh, a roster with, you know, more holes than, than the Colts, I think. Um, if Taylor is playing, I think the, the Colts can get the win on the road, but without Taylor, I, I just don't think the, the Colts have, have enough. He has been playing really, really well. He took time, obviously, given what happened over the summer, to find his groove, but... Uh, he has really, really improved and taken them to a, a new level. And one final thing on the Jonathan Taylor piece, Connor, that I thought was interesting was when he had his kind of um, incredible season, he talked about how for all the kind of individual accolades, it was no good because they didn't make the playoffs. He would much prefer to go under 100 yards in a game with the Colts go on to to win it. And I thought that was that was interesting. Uh, even, you know, uh, him putting it out there. And I've said it before, take everything anyone says in sports with a pinch of salt. But the fact that a running back is willing to say that, I think is telling. 
The Colts, Brian Ryden, uh, a three-game winning streak, as Colin pointed out. Shane Steichen has done very impressively in his first season there. Um, I think if you'd said to people at the start of the season, well, you'll lose Anthony Richardson and you'll be relying on a backup, a lot of people would have said, yeah, they like Gardner Minshew, but that's just not going to work. Uh, and yet it has. And they're 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 there, thereabouts. They're in the hunt for, for a wild card spot. So they have everything to play for this weekend. The Titans, on the other hand, yeah, they eked out a win against Carolina and there were probably glimmers of, of hope that King Henry might be rounded into a bit of form there and they can actually run the ball. But the key for the Titans, you would think, is is defensively. You know, Jeffrey Simmons has been a monster this season and that's really where they are in their corner and they're going to have to do it again this weekend. And, and you know, as Colin said, maybe one of the keys to it is if Jonathan Taylor isn't there, that perhaps hobbles the Colts' chances of, uh, of pulling out the win in Tennessee. Before we get into it, Colin was selecting the Colts, yeah? Or is he going with the shock? I I am I'm I'm saying it's all depending on Jonathan Taylor. We we don't know at this point. If Taylor plays, the Colts win. If Taylor doesn't play, it's the Titans. Right, Connor. Well, I'll, I'll give you I'll give an angle as to why the Colts will win without without Taylor because Zach Moss went for 165 yards on 23 carries the first time round in which they played. It was actually one of his most dominant performances of the season as the backup to Taylor, and, and you touched on it there. You know, they lose Richardson, the backup quarterback. You lose Taylor. Well, you've got your backup running back, and Zach, Zach Moss, and he's been really efficient over the course of the season. He had two touchdowns in that game as well. And uh, is Terry Henry uh, current some kind of form? I wouldn't have thought so, judging by the numbers last week. Yeah, you're right. They got out of line. They won 17 10, but he only ran for 76 yards last week. It's to the point we discussed last week, Connor. We saw him at first hand in, in London. We weren't blown away. It's not this Derek Henry of old. And people, including Titans fans, will question why they didn't move him on in the trade deadline to say, Look, season is, is a lost cause. I'm actually going comfortable with the Colts in this game, despite uh, the Taylor situation. I don't think Taylor will play, but I think they've got more than enough. And I think the Colts are going the right direction. If they win this, it would only solidify where they are. And that's that seven seed position. And looks right now that they are going, come, come, turning, turning a table and turning a form at the right time. So for me, it's a, it's a convincing Colts win on the road. Yeah, I have to say, I would agree with that. I, I don't particularly, yeah, Jonathan Taylor is a, is a big loss. There's no doubt about it. But um, I think they've been able to cope without him. Um, Zach Moss is a more than capable uh, replacement that has been very impressive this season. I think it, look, it's more about the Titans. Pulled out a win last weekend, but how much of that was down to the fact that they were playing the Panthers. Um, there's things that I like about Will Levis, but he makes you nervous as well. You're like, oh, hold on there, Hoss. Just maybe throw it seven yards occasionally and get the easy completion. You don't have to rifle everything. Even though shorter completions, he looks like he's trying to put the ball through his receivers at times rather than, than throw it to them. But uh, yeah, I just don't think they have enough going on there really to, to disrupt the, the Colts' momentum. As I say, they're right in a three-game winning streak and they're, they're good value for that. And I don't see that uh, that being derailed this weekend, I have to say, in Tennessee. Next game up, Colin. Sorry, Brian. Let's just throw one in there and it's probably completely off-kilter off here. I don't think that stadium is as as fearsome as it used to be because they've changed the they've changed the facilities, they've changed the pitch. It's gone they've gone to that like there was obviously something about that muddy type of pitch in Tennessee. You know, the pitch was never looked nice to look at. I can imagine that it didn't look great to play on. And now they've gone to the, the surface which is MetLife Stage and all these other ones. It just doesn't seem as daunting for teams going in there. Bit of a off kills their conversation, but anyway, show it in, no? We shall see. Anyway, Colin, next game up is is Falcons at Jets. The Falcons now officially own the NFC South. Dubious honour, though, that may be. They're 3-0 and in the division. They haven't had it all their own way by any means outside the division, but uh, surely you would think they will overcome the Jets, who, if they don't know they're dead, pretty much the rest of the league assumes they are. Uh, well, 
maybe Aaron Rodgers uh, doesn't because the 21-day window is open and Aaron Rodgers apparently is on course uh, to play this season. Um, I think, to be honest, Connor, if that were to happen, surely we get an article in The Lancet because that would be a, a medical miracle. I mean, th- this would have to be studied for the ages. I mean, there would need to be real because this could transform medicine as we know it. I think, uh, you know, people would really look into this. I mean, it's truly incredible that he's oh, out there training. How, how I mean, quickly can they synthesize Aaron Rodgers' blood and get, get the rest of us a shot it, of that? I, yeah. I, positive against COVID and, and everything that, else. That No, that this isn't a bigger talking point that a player is, you know, an unprecedented return. I mean, it, it, we are literally watching a Disney movie. This is the Mighty Ducks before our eyes and nobody is asking questions in relation to how this is happening hmm me me thinks strange things afoot uh in in terms of the the falcons i look yeah what, what do you say about um th- this team other than i i think probably uh one of your two uh qbs are like the the starter for the atlanta falcons next year i think it will be either Daniel Jones or Justin Fields, who will be taking snaps in uh, 2024. Um, they they don't make a, a great deal of sense. They won last week in spite of Desmond Ritter, um, but they do have very, very special players. Um, if they, you know, can get those players the, the ball and they got it to, to Bijan, we saw some of the receivers actually, you know, get the ball uh, as well last week. Uh, he, on, on the turf, uh, it should be um you know i i still think they'll they'll get a a a win there um but also you know um brian was talking about the field uh in uh tennessee this is this is a field metlife continues to clay to take souls and again this is a field that aaron Rodgers, uh with his torn achilles uh three and a bit months on is planning to come back to we are living through miraculous times (laughs) Sorry, yeah. Indeed, and look, we get to vote on. He's out for. He's out for. To the uh, to the book of Aaron Rodgers, such as it is, does the man even have an Achilles? Unlike Achilles, maybe he doesn't have a weakness. Um, But look, the Falcons—they're—they're not a team that you you find yourself picking comfortably. I caught a little snippet of Cam Jordan's off the edge podcast earlier, and he was talking about how disappointed he was the Saints lost them, saying this is a team we should beat. All we had to do was make their quarterback play quarterback. And, and the fact that they couldn't and that they found themselves in a hole and allowed them to dink and dunk, he felt, was the key to that game. Uh, and the Jets will make life very difficult for, for Desmond Ritter. So I don't think Falcons will be running away with this one. I just, everything that's coming out of New York at the moment tells me that this this is a team at war with itself. And there, there's a lot of elements of that on display. And the Rogers cloud looms large over this. You know, on Pat, Ma- Pat McAfee, he was essentially saying, look, what it really depends on is whether there's anything to play for. I don't think there will be anything to play for. I think this is all the usual smoke and daggers and making the story all about him that, that comes with Aaron. But you know, the legacy is you've Nathaniel Hackett's still there in a world in which Ken Dorsey and Matt Canada and others have lost their jobs. Nathaniel remains in situ with probably the worst offense in the uh, in, in the league at his disposal here. And and that's not all down to, to Zach Wilson either, let's be fair. Um, and you've got Tim Boyle, a quarterback, because he's Aaron Rodgers' mate. And you've got Alan Lazard in the receiver core because he's Aaron Rodgers' mate. And 
that's not going away until next season when they roll the dice again with the then 40-year-old quarterback who's just recovering from the Achilles heel injury, if that's even what it was, and who knows in these crazy times. Um, I, yeah, I'm picking Falcons here. Well, I'm going to give you even more glimmer and light to this Aaron Rodgers saga because I'm going to go with the Jets in this game to uh, turn the Falcons over because I'm just there's no consistency to this Falcons team. They're in a false position, I would say, in terms of winning that division because the division is poor. And Bijan had a, a strong game last week, but we've tense, we've seen Bijan have a strong game, and then he kind of reverts the following week where you know he's either sniffed out or he's not being given the ball enough, or, and the, the play calling is inconsistent. And Timmy Boyle's numbers were not great last weekend, where you know 179 yards, 27, 38, but uh, it's overshadowed with that unfortunate Hail Mary before halftime. I thought he could have gone a little bit better as the game went on. They moved it slightly, so I think the Jets' defense navigates a way to keep them in this game and somehow the Jets find a way to get over the line and it won't be pretty. And then it will just even grow and intensify the conversation around still the Jets fans will believe they're in a world kind of chase and therefore they'll they believe they'll see Aaron Rodgers play. Someone else will put them out of misery. Maybe next week or the week after, but for this week I think it won't be the Falcons. I think the Jets sneak. Colin, the Broncos are in Texas this weekend, which sadly means we won't see any any sheep play it at, at halftime. That was one of the highlights of last weekend's action, the very special, special moments as we discussed on the show on, on Monday. But the Broncos are riding a five-game winning streak, a league-high five-game winning streak. Texas, not an easy place to go. Houston, not an easy place to go right now with the, with the Texans playing the way they are. They're coming off a tough loss themselves, though. Yeah, um, I, and I suppose the... Like the end of the the game last week, it, the the decision to go for the field goal, the long long field goal with a kicker who, you know, this is not Jake Elliott, um, who is uh, four for four on field goals over fifty eight yards, um, was interesting because you know you have a, a player who is rightly I think in the MVP. A conversation in his rookie season, which is ridiculous, and and you decided to ultimately take it out of his hands. Um, but they are playing really well. A lot of talk about that decision, Carl. Why do you think D'Amico Ryan's decides to go that way? Is is it not to put too much pressure on Stroud? I find that hard to believe, given what he's already done in clutch situations. I I was I was very surprised, but I I was surprised by it because. I, you know, um, Brian and I actually discussed this earlier in the week. Like, I watched this happen with Nathaniel Hackett last year when they invested all the money in Russ, and in the the first game of the season, he takes it out of his hands. I think, like, you know, um, and with Seth Walder, actually, kind of, this is a discussion that will come up on on Saturday's podcast for people who want to listen around aggression in the NFL, and I think we are still in an era where. Um, coaches are learning that they need to be more aggressive. I reckon, Connor, in 10 years' time, people will look back at this and go, oh my goodness, why weren't teams going for it more frequently on fourth down? And why, you know, were they taking out of their QB's hands? Um, I, I think the opportunity probably to, um, you know, get it, just get it done and like what was there. Um, and he probably thought the percentage chances, but I. Given the kicker, I, I just think you you had more chance on on CJ Stroud. Um, maybe you learn from it, and it, it won't happen again. He is a rookie head coach after all, um, and I suppose they were. It was a divisional game, 
um, that that may have factored into it as well. This I think should be fascinating because I think you've got um, I think D'Amico, despite that mistake last week, is a very very good head coach. He's going up against Sean Payton, who's kind of molded the team uh, into what he wants it to be. The Broncos have been vastly improved ever since they moved on from the Vets. They found a way to move to move the ball to get into the red zone and then allow Russ uh, to to be Russ and the. I suppose the the kind of three headed uh, monster, where, you know, um, whereby they have Williams and uh, Pirine and um, Talil is is working. So a very big test for a Broncos side who um, have beaten some good teams, um, have had the good fortune, have had the the turnover look go their way. Um, can that continue? Uh, on on the road will be tough, but I I think the Broncos are capable of of doing it. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see Stroud against this defense. Um, but I I, I like as you uh, I think highlighted Connor on Monday show the the comment that Trevor Lawrence made where you know he'd prefer to be going up against um four quarterbacks. Yeah, I I wish the the Broncos were playing the Panthers rather than yeah. uh, the Texans this weekend, but I'm going to say the Broncos have enough uh, to get this done. Brian, this is far from a get right game for for the Texans, but they're 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 playing at home and they'll be keen to bounce back having having lost to the Jags. Um the Broncos on the other hand as, as Colin was alluding to there, it now looks like there's a plan, it looks like they're playing according yeah. to Peyton's plan. Russ is cooking, but he's now cooking fast food. He's getting the ball out quicker he's doing what he's supposed to do he looks like he's actually having fun in this offense which is a remarkable turnaround from where they were and it looks like the players are having fun with him as well because it's like it's night and day compared to last year where he was it looked like he'd fallen out with quite a lot of people they seem to have been rallying around this season and in particular the last few games obviously it seems to be a different kind of dynamic in terms of the relationship which is great to see and he had 11 carries last week so like he's, he's they're finding ways to get him in in the room you know the room pass option there was a number of ones last week where he went for quite a number of yards. So this is another string to the bone out of navigating an offense that allows him to get back involved. And here's Collins uh one last week around the Steelers, you know, this is the one where you stick the ball off the jumper and you and you run you run the ball. And I think he's talking about a three headed monster with Williams here right and now Russell Wilson showing in there. The defense has tor- had sixteen turnovers of five games. That to me is is significant. You're going into a, a game where Stroud has turned the ball over three times. You're you're asking the question of why they decided not to take to take the ball out of his hands, but he was he was sacked on that third down play, um, which led to it being a, a kind of a long fourth down play. So I, I'd imagine they said, "Okay, we don't want to put ourselves in a position where he was sacked." He was sacked three times in the game where he took three three step drop back. The ball was supposed to be gone, and he, he the ball wasn't gone, and he was sacked. So I don't know whether there was a little bit of concern around how he played in the game in terms of understanding the expectation, and maybe that's why they felt the kick was a better option. Saw Francis last week against the turnovers. I think if any defense can get to it right now, it's the Broncos. So I'm I'm going with the Broncos. I think this is this is right up the Broncos street in terms of methodical offensive play, work the clock, let your defense take care of business. Broncos to win, get on the road, win, and really put themselves in a really strong position within in the AFC wildcard race. Part of me feels the way this season has been going that once a team hits a five-game winning streak, that seems to be the time when that team comes off the heater and, and inevitably drops the last game just as we start talking them up. And, and I'm tempted nearly to pick the Texans just pure, purely on that basis. But I think there's too many things just working well enough for Denver. And, you know, funnily enough, when we've all gone Denver, Denver, Denver have tended to win over the last few weeks. So maybe there's something to that as well. Um, I'd like to disagree. 
Um, but I, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that this is going to go against the uh, uh, the expected path. I think the the Broncos will take it. Um, I'm, I'm relatively confident in that, given everything we've seen from over the past couple of weeks. It's hard to think of another team that, that's trending upwards as strongly as they are on on, on all fronts. I've been very impressive with you know, everything that's happened really since that Miami game. Like that's a that's a big setback to come back from, and it's clear that as you say, the players are on, on offense are playing for Russ. They're 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 adhering to Peyton's plan, and the turnovers are evidence of that. And those things come in streaks, and you know you can re- regress to the mean, and, and I'm sure eventually they will. Um, but I think that the, this meeting happens at just the right time for them. I think it would have been uh, maybe a different story, but it happened a couple of weeks ago. But given where both teams are, I think that uh, that Denver takes this one on the road. Next game up column is Lions at Saints, and. Um, I might start off with, with this one myself, actually, because I've been I've been sitting in the pocket waiting for you you two guys to pick first. So it's only fair that I, I throw my own tuppence in here and we, and we see what way it goes. Lions have been wobbling over the last two weeks. Like, yes, obviously, thanks to the collapse by Chicago, they pulled out the, the divisional game there. I got downed by the Packers. An awful lot of things went wrong in that game. And, you know, people now have their doubts over Detroit, probably for the first time this season. You know, other than that humbling they got at the hands of the Ravens, you know, which was probably easier to explain away than what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, given how hot Baltimore was at the time and given the weapons that they have at their disposal. And, you know, Saints obviously will want to bounce back after losing to their hated rival Falcons last week and not happy with their performance. But I think ultimately what's happened in Detroit is more fixable than what we've been seeing in New Orleans all season long. And I think the Lions will win this one on the road. Interesting one for Dan Campbell, obviously, as the former Saints tight ends coach uh, he has a bit of experience there and they have a bit of experience of him uh, and this is a game he'll desperately want to win and I think it's a game that he'll rally his troops to win in column how, how what say you the I think the Lions have some defensive problems um and and I think that he, I don't know if the Saints are able to take advantage of it because of the inconsistencies in Derek Carr's play like Carr was moving the ball really well until they got into the red zone. Like it's like he's become the antithesis of Russell Wilson. He's slinging the ball uh, until he gets into the red zone, and then all of a sudden he's throwing picks. Um, Olave was absolutely magic when he was on the field last week. He went out with an unfortunate injury. Um, the but I I just think it's it's so inconsistent. And when you brought him in and you gave him that money. Like the idea was he was going to be a much more stable quarterback than Jameis. But, the, you know, would they be better off just having Jameis out there and not having tied themselves to the Derek Carr contract? Because they're kind of lumbered with this now for a number of years. And this is an aging team. This is a team who kept pushing uh, and pushing contracts back to maximize the end of Drew Brees' career. Um and I, I just think with the way, like, it's not like a quarterback can can turn an entire kind of season around, Connor, on a dime, right? Um, and so my my fear is that Derek Carr doesn't have um enough to to do it for for the Saints. Um, but I do worry about the Lions when they go up against um like offensive lines that are able to deal. If you can take Hutchinson out of the game, it's a real problem uh, for the Lions. But I think they'll have enough in in this one to get it done. Brian, um, 
You know, your love for Derek Carr is a love that knows no bounds. Um, but right now, there's a lot of Saints fans who probably be wishing they still had Andy Dalton. Yeah, I know. It's certainly got a fast card that we still have uh, purchased over the, over the offseason. It's uh, the frailties are there. And funny, he had over 300 yards in terms of uh, in the game last weekend. But unfortunately, like, ultimately, it comes down to you got to score touchdowns. And we touched on that on Monday's show there. They're open five in the red zone, five or six field goals. It's not going to win you the game. And yet they only do is 24-15. And a, a definite six that uh, Jesse Bates took. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and that was a key that was actually a key moment in the game because it looked like they were they'd started to fast or they got out quickly and then that's just kind of turned the game. I'm more where my concern in this game is actually is around the other quarterback, and that's Jared Goff, because we saw him turn the ball over a number of times against the Bears a fortnight ago. On the Sunday game, and they got over the line in that game, and we discussed the nature of how the Bears had an opportunity to close out that game, and they didn't. It didn't come to pass, and they allowed a line seemed to come back into it. But for three and a half quarters, four quarters, sorry, three and a half, late on in the fourth, Goff has his numbers weren't great, and he had a poor game, and he was turned over. And we saw the same inconsistency last week, in particular the first half against the Packers, and he was, you know. They did show him up last weekend. I mean, there was interceptions. There was the turnover and the fumble. There was a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. He didn't have the greatest of games. So that's two games in a row now where Goff has kind of gone back to what we saw at all, which is he's great one minute. He's He flares to deceive. And, and that, for me, is a concern going into this game. they got to get back, for me, which is effective run game. We saw a couple of weeks ago in LA and they, when they ran down the throats on the Chargers. They only had 125 yards combined between Montgomery and Gibbs last week. But I think in this one, I think this is, for me, this might be a, a game, a get-right game for Derek Carr in the sense of they'll put up a lot more points. But I think Osprey will be similar to what we saw in LA where the, where the Lions come out the right side of it. High score and fair. Lions just get it done. All right, that's the end of our first segment of Game Previews and Picks brought to you by RootPoint, demonstrating the value of global PR and comms. You can see what RootPoint can do for your business at RootPoint.com.